Hi, my name is Vish Nandlal, and I am the Vice President of Technology Strategy and Ecosystems at the Office of the CTO. I'm responsible for, for shaping what the emerging technology frontier looks like uh, and to put some order to them in order for us to understand how we're going to consume them across the various business units and product units at Dell. In order to do that, um, my job is to be able to make predictions. The reason why I believe 5G is going to change the world is I'm a firm believer that society is shaped uh, through the technologies in which it communicates. Um, this is uh, really an opportunity for us to establish uh, a new connectivity fabric in an era when there are many, many different things that need to be connected. This new platform is going to create the intelligence under which uh, we're going to drive new types of markets, new types of experiences, and further the human experience. This is Sean Kinney, and welcome to Will 5G Change the World, the usually weekly podcast where we engage with a wide variety of industry experts to answer that important question. But first, in an effort to get to know our guests a little bit better, we like to pose three questions from the Proust questionnaire. Vish, you ready for those? Absolutely. All right. Question number one. What is your favorite virtue? My, my favorite virtue um, is belied by the fact that I'm an engineer and it's curiosity. Um, and I'm a Joseph Conrad fan and you know, I love the way he thinks about curiosity and that it's almost inconceivable to think of an incurious mind. You know, people who aren't curious find themselves locked in a room um, with really no color. And uh, it's, it's through that. Um, ability to question uh, that you find more understanding and it widens your world. Well, I think that leads us nicely into the second question. Who are your favorite prose authors? Yeah, that's a great question. Again, um, you know, it, it, it's probably going to be pretty uh, patterned after the fact that uh, I got into engineering largely because of uh, the works of authors like Isaac Asimov and Philip K. Dick, uh, you know, this notion of what the future can be, um, you know, has largely been realized um, when we take a look at some of the thinking that uh, Isaac Asimov and, and Philip K. Dick kind of put to paper below these many years. Um, and not to mention, they also made some fantastic movies. Uh, in the new Apple series, uh, Foundations coming out based on Isaac Asimov. And of course, Philip K. Dick was responsible for the seminal uh, science fiction movie the 80s, Blade Runner. Question number three, Vish, who are your favorite composers? Um, I'm going to have a non-traditional answer to that, because clearly I think uh, Proust wanted us to talk about Beethoven, and Schubert, and, um, you know, more of the classical composers, but uh, being a Canadian, um, my favorite composer has got to be uh, the Rio Statics. Um, it's a local Canadian band. I would call them kind of like a jazz rock ensemble. Um, probably a little niche for the viewers out there, but um, take a listen to whale music. It'll change your world. So Vish, as we are recording this in early November, uh, Dell Tech World wrapped up pretty recently. I was uh, able to attend a lot of the keynotes and a lot of the breakouts that were focused on Telco 5G. And there was this uh, theme, clear to me at least, uh, around 5G combined with mobile edge computing as the sort of locus where we'll see digital transformation in the enterprise take off and hopefully where operators can create these differentiated 
use cases and applications that'll help them start to see ROI and new service revenue based on the massive CapEx that goes into building 5G. But rather than me kind of recap and pontificate on the programming and the messaging out of Dell Tech World, maybe you can share some of the highlights uh, for you. Absolutely. Um, you know, we like to call 5G the fabric of the data era. Um, this is the system through which we're going to extend the cloud into the real world, into what some people like to call meat space. Um, you know, it's close cousins with IoT. Um, you know, when we think through how value is going to be delivered in 5G, um, you can see it as an evolution from where 4G came from. You know, 4G's value is delivered through the smartphone. Um, 5G's value is going to be delivered through the edge. Um, the basis of competition is going to move from consumer data plans. And in 5G, it's going to be through network slices and enterprise experiences. Um, those, you know, very well frame the ambitions of Dell um, because, um, you know, clearly we see ourselves as leaders on that road to digital transformation. So 5G becomes an important dimension um, as part of the palette of capabilities that we want to bring to market. And, you know, I also wanted to uh, get some perspective from you around uh, virtualization uh, of telco networks in general, but even more specifically to, uh, to RAN. This is something that I've been writing about lots this year, uh, open RAN, disaggregation of RAN. We've seen uh, Ericsson and Nokia uh, discuss this during their recent Q3 reporting, and we've seen a lot of uh, smaller companies really gain market share throughout the course of the year in the space as we go from more of a hardware-centric to a software-centric approach to constructing the radio access network. Uh, you know, I know you used to serve as CTO for Ericsson North America, and I just wanted to get a little perspective in terms of as operators move to virtualized cloud native and open networks, how do you see vendor dynamics changing? So, you know, I guess from my point of view, you know, I, I see Dell becoming more and more uh, of, a, of a constant in these conversations around network infrastructure. And I see operators moving to expand their supplier set uh, beyond just the incumbent NEPs uh, into what we traditionally think of as more like IT or cloud companies. So just uh, curious to get your thoughts on that whole sort of change in dynamics. Yeah, it, there's a, a, a whole, whole, whole sea of changes that are on its way. You know, this industry is um, very peculiar uh, in that um, it's clear that there is a business model vulnerabilities in telecom. Uh, you can see that uh, just by tracking what's the return on investment um, for many of the service providers globally. And most of them tend to fall below their cost of capital, um, which is astonishing, uh, especially in this day and age. Uh, but more so, you could see really the, uh, the tea leaves of why the, the economy has been so unhealthy in telecoms just simply by the consolidation that's happened in the network equipment provider space. You know, for every major revolution of cellular over the course of probably the past three or four um, from you know, 2G all the way up now to 5G, we've seen a collapse of a vendor. Um, you know, it started with Motorola and Nortel. Uh, you saw Lucent and Alcatel. Um, eventually they all got consolidated down to two major um, let's call them Western type vendors between Nokia and Ericsson. And now we've got um, more of the, the Asian vendors uh, around ZTE, Samsung, uh, Huawei, 
um, where they're you know subject to a lot of the geopolitical stresses that are starting to emerge now as um, some of the concerns around supply chain vulnerabilities uh, start to rise. And so we're seeing uh, you know fundamentally a, an unstable ecosystem. Um, you know when I think through what uh, the service providers need to do in order to kind of overcome this hurdle and to you know change, um, this circle that we're locked in, in terms of diminishing returns over and over. Um, we can't just be uh, driven by trying to lower the cost to deliver a bit. Um, that's uh, simply unsustainable now as a model. And that's what the network equipment providers have been bent on trying to achieve. We need to be able to raise that top line and create more participation in the 5G economy. And that's where enterprise comes in. Um, that's trying to create that holy grail that has always been sitting there of can we extend mission beyond just transport and completely, um, you know, kind of uh, reinvent what the connectivity fabric for the enterprise is going to be to deliver new interesting services. Um, when I think of what that's going to require, it's not going to be the, the same proprietary based appliances um, delivered using the same operating model. And those are the two legs of the, you know, virtualization of the RAN or this whole new ORAN movement. You know, ORAN is meant to do two things um, that fundamentally change the nature of telecom. They're going to reduce CapEx. Um, some forecast that's on the order of 30%, 40%. They're going to reduce OPEX. Some forecast that on the order of 25%, 30%. Those are fundamental shifts in what the profit formula of the industry is going to look like. Um, but the way it's going to do that is not by using um, proprietary equipment anymore. It's going to disaggregate the RAN. We're going to create a standardized performance layer. Um, and the delivery of that fundamentally means we have to change the operating model. And the operating model itself is going to become more cloud aligned because we know that cloud today um, taps into the largest available pool of people uh, who, from the perspective of managing large networks, you have access to. Uh, doing things a traditional operator way taps into a diminishingly smaller pool. And therefore, this is how um, the forces, you know, kind of, a, of labor arbitrage can be applied. And these are fundamental shifts in the profit pool. And, you know, that's where a company like Dell has the ability to step in and to both kind of create the critical mass necessary to deliver on the promise of changing the operating model to cloud and also bring in that normalized performance layer that can reduce, um, you know, really what we think the, is inhibiting, um, you know, the, the price to start to drop in the industry. That almost sounds like we get up against, um, you know, what Schumpeterian economics around creative destruction, where you, you know, you've got to embrace innovation and break your own business model to, to stay competitive, but uh, just maybe a quick follow-up there. Um, you talked about this focus on uh, delivering a lower cost uh, of bits per Hertz and, and how that's not really going to continue to be a differentiator and a, and a revenue driver. So, Maybe is it fair to say that we're moving from more kind of a transactional approach to a consultative approach in addressing enterprise services? And then does uh, this trend towards cloudification 
coupled with Dell's huge knowledge uh, of the enterprise and their needs, as well as those existing relationships, does this give you a, a kind of unique opportunity here to address this market as 5G continues to be this uh, driver of change? Absolutely. You know, there's, um, you know, there's industry incentives to lowering costs. There always has been increasing um, productivity typically comes at lowering costs. Uh, but at some point when the context in which you're delivering um, that cost reduction changes, you become um, you know, more resistant to the change. I'll give an example. Uh, a long time ago, I used to work at Nortel on line cards and we used to develop POTS um, line cards and we had this new technology called ISDN that was starting to break the day and everybody was really excited about it. We would reduce the cost of the line card for POTS significantly down to the point in which it was just a set of relays. It was pennies a line. Um, when we went to bring an ISDN and you added that cost, it no longer became cost optimized. The cost for that POTS line uh, shot up because I had to have more capability on that same card. Um, you know. The problem here was that reducing the cost for the POTS line um, restricted our ability to be able to increase the revenue stream by adding an ISDN. Um, and so focusing on cost made you miss the market for this new technology. And when we look at what's happening in 5G, a simple reduction in cost, while it can deliver dividends to your existing business model, which are mass market consumer services, it's fine. But take a look at what's happening in mass market consumer services. Uh, we've got flat rate plans all over the place. 5G came in and was released and it's been underwhelming. Um, you know, fundamentally, you know, most people got the resolution they wanted off of streaming video that they were gonna get because you can't really notice an appreciable difference between let's say 1080p and 4K on your mobile device. Um, you know, fundamentally, uh, most people um, aren't paying that much more for their 5G service. There might be bumps in the data plan, but in terms of creating, you know, a, a marketplace where new services are being offered, it's not delivering on that. Um, you know, fundamentally, what we think, uh, you know, that the focus on cost efficiencies is blinding us to the opportunity of revenue expansion really does come on the on the on the on the on the very fundamental. Um, concept of bringing in network slicing, offering new mission critical capabilities for enterprise to catalyze this industry 4.0 industry um, concept, and to you know build that um, on the fundamentals of edge computing. There, you've suddenly got um, a new revenue generator, uh, and that's it's highly distinct from mass market consumer services. It's addressing a new, um, highly um, needed type of capability in the industry. So Vish, at the top of the show, you told us that a, a part of your job was sort of predicting a, a when new technologies would be viable and, and how that should inform Dell's strategy. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that in uh, terms of 2021 now that it's uh, late in the year. And to build on your, your previous point there, give me a bit of a reality check on what we can expect next year in terms of moving away from just enhanced mobile broadband 5G for consumers to some of the really cool stuff that you see in release 16 coming up in release 17 that will really get us 
from talking about connected healthcare and smart factories and autonomous guided vehicles and, and deliver those at, at scale in the field. What, uh, what can we expect uh, in terms of our, our listenership and uh, what are some of your priorities? Yeah, uh, you, you frame that beautifully. Um, you know, release 15 was an acceleration of 5G that was meant largely for marketing purposes. Um, they get us out of the door early. Um, with release 16 being standardized this year, um, and really the, the now the C shift to uh, standalone 5G networks versus non-standalone, um, we're also seeing capabilities like ultra-reliable low-latency communications, massive machine-type communications start to come into the fold. That those are the foundational elements for enterprise services. Um, the reason why you, for instance, wouldn't put your manufacturing robotics on top of um, you know, a mass market cellular service, uh, like let's call it 4G LTE, why wouldn't you put it on there? It's largely because of the reliability of that link. And people uh, tend to lose somewhat sight the economics of what reliability delivers, and especially when you think of wireless services, these are highly unreliable services. Um, there's a tremendous amount of bitrate loss on top of a wireless interface. Uh, and as a result, um, you know, errors accrue. Now, those errors aren't that bad if you're watching you know, YouTube videos on your cell phone. Um, there's not gonna be a tremendous loss of, of dollars or productivity. If you're an enterprise and you have something, let's say it's 99.9% .9 available, sounds really, really good. That still means you know, almost nine hours of downtime a year. If you consider that, um, you know, the average cost per hour of downtime for an enterprise is somewhere on the order of 350K per hour. That's the cost. At, you know, eight to nine hours of downtime, you're talking about a $3 million bill at the end of the day. When you're an enterprise, that's a lot of, that's a lot of um, cost that you have to cough up. Now I'm just talking about generalized enterprise services. When I go into the manufacturing floor and I have massive amount of, uh, you know, kind of scale industry happening to produce a widget, the cost is much, much higher. Um, especially if you think of the dependability on 5G as the interconnector substrate. In fact, the cost could be as high as $5 million an hour of lost productivity. So no one's putting mission critical services on top of mass market cellular. You're not doing it on Wi-Fi, certainly. Um, typically, these are proprietary networks that are sitting backing a lot of that capability. So with ultra-reliable low-latency communications, we do two things. We're bringing that reliability to the table. So now I can put mission critical services on it. That's great. I could put my SCADA, my PLCs. I can put all sorts of things that have latency and reliability requirements on it. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm not going to be worried about having that high price tag. You know, we're driving to 5.9 drive reliability. Still not that great. That's still five minutes of downtime a year, but we're orders of magnitude less than what the cost exposure would be if I was still sitting on my old 4G unreliable link. You sounded confident that 5G as this uh, a fabric of the data era will indeed change the world, but... Um, you know, help me add some context to that. How do we how do we measure it? Do we measure it? You know, is it just uh, increased productivity across that manufacturing line that you just mentioned? Is it something more abstract than that? Is it something that we can 
correlate with GDP growth as you often see done by some of the big research institutes? Or is it that kind of Clarence Thomas, I know it when I see it thing? Just uh, what, what's the context there? How do you, how do you think about 5G as a force will change the world and, and your ability to know when and if it has? Yeah, that's a great question. When I, I mean, clearly you could talk about GDP and productivity. I find that those tend to be um, tortured arguments. It, we, we tend to struggle to see real productivity gains when technology is developed. And I, I think that there's flaws in the way we calculate that. Um, I tend to uh, relate more to the ideas of Carlota Perez on you know, how technology disruption gets introduced and what does that create? Um, you know, this notion of you know, following deployment in an installation phase. The deployment phase is like, we're laying down the railroads of a new economy. And you know the installation phase brings these dividends like the development of the West was the railways. When you have those types of kind of war and wonder cycles um, that can occur because I've fundamentally introduced a capability that um, becomes utility. In this case, it's you know abundant bandwidth at uh, reliable bits and at low latency, you start to capture um, this capability to deliver you know, things that you probably wouldn't have anticipated before, whole new economies and disruptions of profit pools. You know, if I think of how, for instance, AWS came in and delivered utility compute to the masses, it fundamentally changed the nature of startups. Startups no longer had to invest capital uh, they could start to be catalyzed by the venture capital ecosystem because they could just turn themselves down on a month by month basis because they had no installed base of equipment that they had to worry about. They were leveraging it on a rental basis from Amazon. That boom cycle was kind of unanticipated. So there's going to be another wonder cycle that comes with 5G. Is it going to be something like chemistry as a service? where now instead of just getting abundant compute, you could start up little Pfizer's all over the place because there's centralized chemistry processes that can do um, you know, reactions uh, for a particular molecule and test it on demand uh, because I'm able to deliver this new data fabric structure. What kind of industry can we conceive of um, that could be transformed similarly? Financial capital reigns arrogant and production capital has no alternative but to adapt to the new rules, right? There we go. Fantastic. It's a great book for anybody that hasn't read it. Technological Revolutions and Financial Capital. Well, Vish, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, share your perspective with me, talk a little bit about how Dell Technologies is viewing what's coming with 5G and uh, answering the question, will 5G change the world? Thanks a lot. Will 5G Change the World is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. The show today was produced and edited by me, Sean Kinney. Thanks for listening.